Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of An American F1. I'm your host, Brendan Klein, and we are getting you through, powering you through this offseason. We are six weeks done with F1. We have eight more Sundays until the start of the 2023 season. And, you know, for everybody all over on this January 1st when I'm recording this, Happy New Year. We hope 2023 is just as good as 2022, if not better, right? We always want to do it one up, do it better. But yeah, we're here to get you through the F1 offseason with our offseason bits, our weekly offseason bits podcast, just talking about F1, talking about the news that comes up because F1 news just never ceases to stop. And as long as I stick with my plan, I have this week, we're going to do our offseason bits today. Later during the middle of the week, I will start previewing the teams. I'll make my little podcast on what I thought about everybody from Williams to Red Bull, what what their season was like, how it went. But we're going to get started. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to listening. Just trying to get you again, like I said, to survive and power through these next couple of weeks without F1. Because as we know, F1 is never short of news. So let's get started. One of the first major things, right? I ended the podcast last week talking about this. I was talking about the FIA stance on political neutrality. And I said, how is F1 really going to enforce this? Like, are they really going to be this strict with this rule? Are they going to be the kind of agency? Are they going to do, are they going to shut down all political dissension like we saw in regards to uh, FIFA and the soccer players during the World Cup trying to do the same exact thing? And, you know, I think we're all pretty much in agreement that this rule is is entirely unnecessary. I mean, F1 drivers have been using their standing, their their spot in the world, their prominence as athletes to raise awareness to significant issues. And we've had people like Lewis Hamilton, Sebastian Vettel, um, and others raising awareness for a variety of issues, all spanning different movements from social issues to environmental issues and things beyond. Now, what really surprised me in regards to this, because obviously this has been a major talking point. I I feel like it's faded away a little bit, but I'm going to hop on it because I did see this happen last week, right? Literally, again, I think I recorded the, I don't remember when I recorded the podcast. It might have been right around Christmas time, right before Christmas. But around that time on December 27th, like two days after Zach Brown came out and you know I I I did have a lot of respect for Zach Brown and I'm starting to my Zach Brown my Zach Brown fondness is starting to wane a little I I thought in terms of what he's brought to McLaren I do think he's brought a lot of great things to McLaren but I'm just starting to just a little bit in the back of my hind the back of my hind back of my mind I'm just starting to I don't know, second guess him a little or just not feel like he's the guy that I thought he once was or the the deliverer of what I thought he would be for McLaren. But that's beyond the point. Uh, Zach Brown was one of the most notable team bosses or I guess technically CEO to come out and discuss this ban by the FIA and this FIA trying to, uh, you know, go on to be neutral when it comes to political statements. So Zach Brown basically came up and said that he feels that protests and statements have gotten out of control uh, on several occasions in recent years, which it just boggled my mind because McLaren, for 
I believe in 2020 was one of the biggest supporters. They had the LGBTQ, you know, rainbow flag on their halo. They they were one of these teams that were outwardly supporting political, making political statements, making political issues. And I'm just very surprised that this is coming from Zach Brown, who I thought was a very forward thinking, could see the direction of where the sport's going and what people in the sport are thinking. But Clearly, he's taking the FIA side in this, and I was just, I I was quite surprised to see Zach Brown take that angle. I thought he would have been a team principal that was a little more, I didn't even think he would have to say anything about it. I thought he was somebody who was a little more disconnected from that, and really not somebody who would be making such a, you know, forward statement about it. Um, But, you know, I feel like he just took a very wishy-washy, you know, your classic, like, cop-out response to what the FIA has been doing. And, you know, I don't know. And, again, I think it's really – we know why the FIA is doing this, right? The FIA is obviously trying to balance their – how do I word this in the right way? They're trying to balance their their drivers' expressions, political statements with – the markets they go to and where they're hosting these tracks and things like that. And I get that part of this is a, to me, it feels like part of it's a financial move, but why, why not instead, you know, if these places want to host world renowned events, and this goes for FIFA too, right? If you're FIFA, you're the FIA, if these countries want to host these events, maybe not violating human rights, maybe don't go there and then, you know, improve improve your own basic standing in your country, the basic laws, the basic rights you give to people, improve that. And then maybe we talk about going to these places. But obviously in 2022, that's an unrealistic expectation because as our friend, you know, as Lewis Hamilton, one of the best drivers in the world has said, cash is king. So yeah, I don't think we're going to see that change anytime soon as long as the FIA is interested in going to these places like Saudi Arabia, like Qatar. Hell, even certain parts of the United States, right, aren't the most friendliest towards certain groups of individuals and um, don't have, you know, have definitely screwed up things environmentally and other things. But I'm just saying that, you know, maybe it's not wrong to allow these drivers and drivers should be able to express their opinions even if i can't believe like we're gonna ban now something as simple as you know a helmet just like the jewelry ban you know these things have gotten a little out of control i think in recent times but that's just my additional two cents i know the topic's kind of been thoroughly discussed but i just had to hop back on that again because it's just been coming up so many times and to see zach brown comment on it again was just something that surprised me and I wanted to just really air that out there, my my little thought, my opinion on that. And I, I was really surprised that Zach Brown took that approach there. Now, it's that time of the year, right? <laughs> that time of the year where we get our little year review things, right? So the drivers and the team bosses both release their picks for top drivers. And I thought it was pretty cool that both teams... Uh, I like that they do this. I like to see what team bosses think. I like to see what the drivers think. Now, the drivers top 10, and let's see if there was any really big differences between the drivers top 10. So the drivers top 10. Now, both the drivers and the team principals ranked Max Verstappen as number one. They both ranked Charles Leclerc number two. 
Now, here's what's interesting. The team bosses in number three, three and four, which I guess, honestly, three and four, I could see going either way. And the drivers actually had a tied for third between Lewis and George. And the owners had George, then Lewis. And, you know, ranking this season, it's hard between Lewis and George. And I see this come up on Twitter all the time, too. I think, you know who was just talking about it, too? Nico Rosberg was just talking about it. Because, like, I feel like Nico, I love Nico Rosberg. And I think he brings a little spicy dynamic that we need, you know, to... uh, to the sport of Formula One, you know, he brings that little, I don't want to say controversy, but his opinions aren't always the, um, how would you say, like the, his opinions aren't always the most um, political or the most um, neutral, (laughs) right? Nico is not afraid for a little spicy take here or there. So it was funny that we had this whole debate between the drivers and owners, who's three, who's four, one had George equal to Lewis, one had George slightly above Lewis. Now, Nico Rosberg, because I just feel this man cannot regret. Like, I still think as much as, and I'm going to get killed if people hear me say this, but I still think Lewis lives in Nico Rosberg's head. Like, Lewis is just living in Nico's head all the time because, of course, Nico had to weigh in his two cents on Russell and Hamilton. And, of course... It was actually not as, um, I guess you could say not as, how would you explain this with Nico's? Nico's wasn't as um, hard-hitting as you would have thought. But his rankings, um, you know, he was talking about that, I believe he put, he put Lewis... um, Oh, okay. So he placed Lou, he placed George Russell as the second best driver. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> he you knew like was was Nico Rosberg really going to put George Russell behind Lewis? I don't think so. I just think I think he couldn't resist. He couldn't resist putting George right there. Now George did have a spectacular season. There's not there's no doubt there. But I think also something to take in consideration. Lewis was running a lot of the development side for Mercedes. So he was doing a lot of those experimental setups and things like that, trying to get him on the foot where George Russell was kind of just sending it. So I could see why George, you know, ultimately outscored Lewis. I could see why George had some better races. Of course, George did get the only win for Mercedes this year. So I guess you could say, yeah, deserving of that ranking. But um, some other notables, I just found that both in both the um, owners and in the drivers, both ranked Lando pretty high. Uh, not Sorry, I meant Fernando. Fernando pretty high. Um, and I think Fernando, yeah, Fernando for a 41-year-old had a spectacular season with Alpine. I mean, he had that incredible drive at Coda, for example, the pole at Montreal. Like, this guy proves he can still ball out. He was, he was also, let's not forget, he was probably going to be on the pole at Melbourne, too, if it weren't for that engine failure, or he was going to be close to the front row. He was, that car was a rocket ship if it weren't for reliability issues. Um, some other notables in that top grouping, um, the bottom, the bottom kind of, um, faltered out with Sebastian Vettel, definitely both being on the driver's list. Um, Valtteri Bottas was on the owners on the team principals, the team bosses list while, um, we actually had Alex Albon sneaking his way up there. So, you know, 
it's interesting just that I love seeing the differences between what the drivers thought and what the team principals thought. Uh, I would not disagree with Alex Albon's season. I would say he was definitely deserving to be in the top 10 of drivers this year. I think, again, same for Sebastian Vettel. What he was able to do with that Aston Martin sometimes was incredible. And still, it, it, I mean, he had some great races as well. And it's just a shame that we're not going to see Sebastian anymore on the list. And the only other person that snuck in on the team bosses list was Valtteri. So Valtteri, I think, yeah. I would definitely rank Valtteri in that top 10. Uh, Considering how he did with that Alfa Romeo, he got points finishes. He was solid in qualifying. He definitely spearheaded that team. And again, I think that's what made him a great mentor as well for Zhou Guan Yu. I think that that was a really good dynamic. So Valtteri taking up that mantle of the leadership role and providing good finishes for Alfa Romeo is just such a really nice fit and it was good to see so i'm glad that he was put in the top list at least for one of those things and you know there's no doubt the top two being max and charles there's no doubt that those two guys had amazing seasons and i don't think anybody would doubt that this year max verstappen was the best driver overall i mean max max listen the red bull was quick but still even with the Red Bull being quick, Max drove that thing to some amazing qualifyings, amazing performances. He really, like, hit it out of the park. And there's no doubt. Now, it was actually what I did find kind of funny. The drivers ranked, 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 Sergio, no, sorry, not the drivers, the team bosses ranked Sergio Perez higher than the drivers, which, I don't know, it was just something that, looked unique i was like why would the team bosses it's weird because he was fifth on the team bosses but tied for eighth between alban vettel and himself in the drivers rankings which i wonder why that is and why sergio perez was a little bit lower but maybe that you know that could be just again the bottom eight is really here or there, like, who are you going to put there? Now, you know what? I, now, they would never do this, but it would be interesting to see who they rank at the bottom 10 drivers of the list. I mean, that'd be pretty messed up, but that would be pretty funny, right? Like, if we just said, all right, guys, name us the 10 worst drivers from this year. Because, you know, maybe then, uh, I'm sure as much as we love Nick Latifi, I have a feeling he would be at the bottom. But, you know who I was surprised didn't make the list? And maybe it's just because I'm a fanboy, but I really thought Zhou Guan Yu could have snuck his way i mean he has to be at least number 11 right i thought zhou guan yu had an amazing season for a rookie kept it out of trouble he had some points finishes he had some good q2 appearances q i think he made a q3 appearance once like he just had a solid season and really kept the car out of danger the two major incidents he was in i believe at monza or was it imola uh it was at one of the italian tracks he got tagged uh i believe it was imola he got tagged at Imola, right? And that wasn't really his fault. And then he got in that accident, which was really out of his control, where he flipped over at Silverstone. That was, you know, Pierre Gasly going up the middle, tagging George, who then tagged Joe. So really not his fault, uh, considering everything. So I thought he had a really great, really great season. Thought he could have snuck his way up there. But I'm that's a guy I'm looking forward. That that's a driver that I'm going to keep an eye on for 2023. Because I think he can do... I don't know where the Alfa Romeo is going to be development-wise. I know, you know, this year they took a step forward. I, I don't know. They're going through that whole Audi tradition, Audi, tra- um, Audi transition. So, 
who knows what's going to happen with that. They got Andreas Seidel coming over, and I feel like it's going to be a mixed bag maybe with Alfa Romeo, but he's a driver I want to keep my eye on. I want to see how that dynamic keeps going between Joe Guan Yu and Valtteri Bottas. But, yeah, that was uh, the driver's list. I thought that was cool. I love when they do that. Uh, it's one of the things I actually look forward to, looking at the list of who made the top list each time. But, anyway, some other random bits of news I was looking at Twitter uh, Adrian Newey, which, uh, of course, this was going to cause an uproar, too. Adrian Newey was, I guess, recorded as making recorded, written down, right? Adrian Newey made some comments about um, how Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton battled in the 2021 season. So he was talking about what happened at Saudi Arabia, right? So he basically goes... This is what Adrian Newey says. And Adrian Newey, I mean, engineering God, I guess when you speak, he's got to listen. So it was just weird the way he phrased it. I mean, obviously, I wouldn't even count this as really defending Max because he said what first happened in Brazil last year was a bit naughty. So when he was, you know, running Hamilton wide and stuff, yeah, that was some pretty hard racing. And then he said Saudi was silly, but I think he got frustrated with Lewis not overtaking him. But he still shouldn't have brake tested him. Yeah. <laughs> um... I don't think there's any doubt what Adrian Newey said there. Um, I don't think we're, we're going to disagree with that. Like, if Adrian Newey... Adrian Newey knew what Max was doing there, and I guess he was trying to explain Max's point of view, but it comes off as actually, like, saying, yeah, Max Max pretty much messed up there. And uh, <laughs> uh, I like that people... Uh, <laughs> I like that people were, like, hopping on this as, like, he's condemning Max. But um, he definitely knows that what happened in Saudi wasn't right, right? Like, he thought it was uh, he thought it was dumb, probably. You know, obviously, I mean, could have risked damage in the car, could have risked his race, and, you know, not only Lewis's race, but his own. So I could see Adrian Newey taking that uh, point of view. It was just, I thought it was interesting that he waited so long to come out and explain that. Like, we all kind of knew that at the time, that what Max was doing was definitely playing... Uh, you know, a little, <laughs> a little game that he shouldn't have been playing, but what are you going to do, right? It's, I mean, it's a year now, it's almost going to be a year and a half, so, but yeah, Adrian Newey really condemning Max there, so, can we say condemning? I don't think he's really condemning. What would you even call that? Like, critiquing? Almost like being the father figure saying, yeah, you know what he did, you know, uh, it wasn't the best thing, but, you know, it was a year ago, and now, uh, you know, I could say that. But I don't know. Adrian Newey just talking Adrian Newey things. And I guess when Adrian Newey, if it's a year later, you still got to listen. So props to Adrian Newey for kind of, you know, and again, you guys know this by now. I'm not a Hamilton fan. I'm not a Verstappen fan. But props to Adrian Newey for saying what was on his mind. And, uh, you know, congratulations for coming to that conclusion. If you think that he means that he's condemning Max. But I really don't think he is. Uh, Yeah, so other piece of news. uh, I think Christian Horner was mentioning something I I saw over a couple of days. I don't know. It was Christmas. I was, you know, out partying, whatever. But uh, I did see something with Christian Horner talking about the budget cap again, as if like multiple teams are going over and that it's a serious problem, which of course prompted people to be like, oh, here goes Red Bull again. Like Red Bull's already out spending the budget cap, which honestly in this day and age, I find it really crazy to think about how teams are able to stay within that budget cap in the first place. I mean, that's pretty incredible if they're even like, I mean, you got to be crunching some numbers. You got to be, 
I don't know. It, it does not seem like it's easy, especially with the way prices are and everything. That budget cap, listen, I, it's a great rule and concept. I just think you either got to make it like strict, just like you have a salary cap in different sports like the NFL, the NBA, the NHL over here. Or you put some kind of luxury tax where, I mean, that's basically what the punishment was for Red Bull this year, except that they were limited some air tunnel time. So, uh, but yeah, if you're going to make a budget cap and you're trying to help small teams, you got to make sure that the penalty is strict, that it matches what it's intended to do, that it, that it prevents these teams from still spending money because a small fine for a company like Red Bull, a team like Red Bull is nothing. The wind tunnel time is something, but I think they either got to make stricter punishments or really commit to following this budget. Not like, oh, you spend this much over. No, you, you spend this over the line, you're done. Uh, but that's a discussion, I guess, for another day. Uh, some other, what, what, what of the crazy stuff happened in F1 this, you know, it's like, it's so amazing that F1, there's always something crazy, right? So here's just like a recap of some of the things I saw on F1 Twitter this week. And again, like I said, F1 Twitter, always a crazy time. I, I could live on F1 Twitter all day because just the, the, the crap that comes out of there is so crazy. Like one, I don't know how y'all have time for this. Like, what are you guys doing? I don't know, like, <laughs> how you guys are able to keep track of all this craziness. These are just a few of the things, and I'm sure there's more. But here are some of the things that I saw. First, Charles Leclerc's Instagram. What was that, right? Like, dude was making out with some girl. It was, like, black and white. It, I swear to God, it looked like something out of a movie scene. Uh, I caught a brief clip of it, and people were apparently going crazy on Instagram. And you know what? I'm glad because, you know, it shows Charles Leclerc is like us. Sometimes he's on social media. He has a little bit too much to, you know, drink, you know, and he posted the wrong account. We've been there. We've done that, right? Like, come on, Charles. Like, come on, get, get your head together. But, oh, my God, yeah, people are going crazy about it. And the only reason why I looked it up, because I want to know what people were talking about. And I looked, I was like, what is this? It was like strobe lights going off, dude's full face with a girl and like, I mean, hey, props to Charles Leclerc. He's doing his thing, living his life. I mean, let's get real. <laughs> I'm sure F1 drivers in the 70s, like, you tell me James Hunt didn't do that? Like, I mean, come on, right? Like, let's not act like it's that. Like, it is a big deal, but it's not, like, the end of the world. I'm sure it won't be the first time an F1 driver's doing that in a club. But, <laughs> but yeah, uh, that was one of the craziness. Then there was this argument. Oh, it was one of those, like, Give me your, like, take that will make people, like, you know, all the thousands of knives or swords at you. And people were saying, well, there was this, uh, you know, F1 isn't the top 20 drivers in the world. And, yeah, it, it probably isn't. I'm sure there's elite drivers in every, every sport, right? But, you know, there's elite drivers in NASCAR. There's elite drivers in IndyCar. There's elite drivers in endurance racing, rallying, F1. There are. Yes, Formula One is not where the best 20 drivers are in the world. But I think we need to distinguish that we call it the most elite form of racing because in terms of technology and in terms of what it does take, it does take a lot to drive an F1 car. We know that. But it takes a lot to drive these other vehicles too. But in terms of technology, it is some of the most advanced machinery, if not the most advanced racing machinery in the world to this date. So... 
With that being said, when they say elite form of racing, I think we're taking that a little too seriously because we know, I'm sure, Nikita, like, you know, of course people will cop out and say, oh, Nikita Mazepin isn't one of the, you know, best 20 drivers in the world at the time. No, obviously, that's not the point. But I do think, in my heart, I believe that the top F1 drivers, the best F1 drivers that have driven, that have driven, um, are some of the best drivers in the world. I mean, just look at it. Like, let's think about some like incredible drivers that have had success elsewhere. First of all, um, you go with Nigel Mansell, right? Dude, tra- I know it's not. I know you could say like, oh, it's the same thing, but dude transferred over from F1 was successful in IndyCar, and uh, you know was proving that he could race in different vehicles, different times. He's had success there. Um, Michael Schumacher had some early endurance racing success and then was successful in F1. Uh, Fernando Alonso alone, you could look at that guy's record. And Juan Pablo Montoya, dude successfully transferred over from F1 to IndyCar to NASCAR and was successful in there. Marcus Erickson, uh, Romain Grosjean have proven that, you know, the switch from F1 to IndyCar isn't inconceivable and you can, you know, succeed and thrive as an F1 driver. That's where we're starting to see a lot of these F2 drivers go too, right? So, yeah, I think there's evidence there that some of the better F1 drivers have a unique racing ability. I want to see – see, I really want to – I don't think I could see Seb going any other type of racing because of the fact that I think if he's sticking with his environmental thing, I don't think – We'll see him going to like, you know, NASCAR or something like that, but, um, or even endurance racing. But I do think I would love to see seven a different series. Oh, and how did I not mention the Iceman, right? Kimi Raikkonen. Look at that alone. Kimi Raikkonen should be the poster child of why F1 is the elite form of racing. Dude literally hopped in, uh, had been successful at rallying, has had, all right, maybe he hasn't had NASCAR success, but dude literally hopped in a NASCAR car, truck technically after racing in F1 and was like driving through the field. Didn't really qualify well, but once he started getting like comfortable, he had some success. Uh, Even at Watkins Glen earlier this year in the NASCAR Cup Series, he had some mild success if it weren't for, you know, driving a little aggressive. He was starting to make his way up through the field in what is a completely different vehicle to drive than, and I know he had some testing experience, but that is completely like different to drive than an F1 car. So I would like to see some more F1 drivers maybe do that. Like, I still think Daniel Ricciardo would be the best option for something like that. But yeah, that was a debate that was circling around. Then I just saw little things. Um, Mike Crack complimenting Lance Stroll, which, uh, I'm, listen, I don't think Lance is a bad driver. And I think Lance does get a lot of crap for being the son of Lawrence and that, you know, he's kind of a pay driver, which he kind of is, you know. But I don't think Lance. I think Lance isn't, how would I say this? A lot of people try to say Lance is a bad driver. I don't think he's a bad driver. I don't think he's a great driver. I think he's a good driver. Now, Mike Crack was saying that he might have been even, like, you know, better than Sebastian Vettel. And and that, maybe we got to take, like, you know, a little bit easier. I wouldn't say he was better than Sebastian Vettel. But he said he was closely matching him. Uh, I don't know. I watched a lot of races. Actually, I was watching highlights I don't know why I was watching highlights from like, was it, oh, it was one of those like biggest accidents at 
each race this year. And one of them was, you know, Lance, two of them involved Lance Stroll just, like, completely ignoring his surroundings. And that's something that you wouldn't see a Sebastian Vettel do. So, come on, Mike Crack. Like, you know, that incident with Fernando Alonso was kind of Stroll being... Oh, and, and even in that same race, didn't Lance Stroll, like, aggressively block Sebastian Vettel as well, right? And I think a lot of times the strategy seemed to help Lance Stroll, not so much Seb, but whatever. I hope, again, I hope... I'm hearing a lot of good things about Aston Martin, but I feel like I always do. Uh, but I hope that there's not that dynamic this year because that would be, well, Netflix might love it, but that between Fernando Alonso and Lawrence Stroll, I am nervous about Aston Martin. Uh, they they got to have success or else that is going to be a miserable, miserable year for them. Um, then there was also, oh, there's rumors about Hyundai, Ford going possibly to Red Bull, Honda coming back. All those things coming up in the news again that more and more manufacturers, right, want to enter the sport, which I think is good, especially for a marketing purpose, right? You want to see these different teams join back in. Um, it was interesting to see Ford making, wanting to make a comeback. I don't think Ford's been in F1 since, what, the 80s now, right? I mean, I guess they made some engines maybe in the 90s too, but I thought they were, yeah, I think the 90s, they also had engine manufacturing. So it'd be kind of interesting to see Ford back. I think it would be, you know, that'd be a huge plus for Formula One from an American marketing plan, which I made a joke earlier on Twitter, this, you know, using Michael Scott that like basically like, you know, everything, uh, everything Formula One, the next coming years is going to be carbon neutral going to the, you know, the United States appealing to that market, which then connects into Andretti Racing, who is still floating around. Like, Andretti is, like, the story that won't die. Andretti Racing is just, like, every... I guarantee you, I could probably talk about a rumor of Andretti Racing trying to join Formula One every week until the season starts, and probably even continue. Apparently, their new goal is 2024. I don't know. Like, supposedly, they were trying to approach teams and maybe buy out an old team. I don't know. And that's the only way Andretti goes in. I think if Haas decides to sell, they would sell to Andretti. I think that is the only logistically, logistically, that is the only logical option I see out there. That is it. It's the only one that makes sense. And Andretti just broke ground on a new day. I think they're entering uh, endurance racing, I saw as well. So <laughs> they're just like there. And they're just floating and they're like teasing us. Yeah, we're trying to make it into Formula One. And then they never really do. But that's that's Andretti for you. I don't know. You know, they. I think they would be... Listen, any team starting off is going to have a tough time. Especially in Formula One. But I think it would be a cool thing. Especially to have like... You know, it's a, not that Haas isn't a serious American team. But I, but I feel like Andretti would stir up a lot more emotions for more Americans. Than it would, you know, Andretti's a name that's like a household name. You know, I think most Americans know, at least can reference Andretti and know what they're talking about. So I think people would love to see the Andretti name, Mario Andretti. Uh, one of the other examples of how Formula One racers are some of the best in the world. That's another guy who has driven multiple forms of machinery and crushed it in all of them. But yeah, I mean, the Andretti rumor just fails to die. I guarantee I'll be talking about that forever. And, uh, yeah, just some heartwarming things maybe connected together. Uh, Mercedes was, or Total Wolf was hoping that, I read an article that he was basically hoping that Mick, with his methodical style in the simulator, which was an interesting perspective to gain, will help develop the W14, which, by the way, is still 
considering or is still keeping the no side pods concept, which some people think is revolutionary. I don't know. We'll see. Apparently, they've been able to simulate some of their porpoising, so they have an idea of that. So, yay, maybe the W14. You know, if I don't know. I don't know anything about aerodynamics. I don't know, like, side pods, no side pods, but it's just, I wonder if that is if that's they're keeping that because that's they're working off their base model from you know last year or if there is something to it i don't know i would need somebody who is an aerodynamicist to explain that to me but it would be i think you know they're one of the teams that went with that concept and they're rolling with it hey you know if if they can find a way to make it work and make a fast car then go for it right because we saw we saw all those people with those red bull imitators you know, we had the blue Red Bull, the green Red Bull, and the actual Red Bull. <laughs> we had the Williams um, copying the Red Bull style. Didn't? Oh, no, no. No, that was right. Right, 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 right. No, no, no. Haas went a little more, like, similar to the Ferrari thing. But, yeah, we saw, you know, those different styles. So, I don't know. Maybe the no side pods will work. Maybe it won't. And then connected to that, Audi, who's coming in. Well, Valtteri Bottas thinks before 2026, but they're start date is supposed to be 2026 uh audi is looking for audi audi i sorry my accent's terrible is looking for german drivers so is that a route for mick to get back in i don't know but maybe you know if he is able to connect it to the development of the w14 and you know have some success with mercedes and prove something to mercedes maybe total wolf finds a way to get him into audi and you know if he is he is if that's his destiny it's his destiny if he doesn't make it back into formula one you know, he had his chance and he didn't get it. I know there's a nostalgia part to us. I really wants to see Schumacher succeed. And I don't think he's a bad driver. And I do think he got a little screwed over by Haas. But, you know, we got to see what happens. You got to be patient with this. And, you know, I don't want to talk about him every week. But I feel like I do just because he's in the news. Uh, which, you know, it is what it is. And, um, oh, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Mick and all that stuff, Gunther Steiner uh, counting on Nico Hulkenberg to carry Haas. What an insult to Kevin Magnussen, who just like... Now, listen, I, I get it. Nico Hulkenberg is probably one of... Like, people crap on Nico Hulkenberg all the time for having no podiums. First of all, there are a lot of great drivers probably without podiums. Like, especially in, you know... A Formula One, you have to be with the right team and you have to be talented. And, you know, yeah, I know Nico has bottled up some races where he's had podium contention. But, uh, you know, I just feel it's weird because Magnuson has been with the team now for so long and really led the team last year, got their first pull. And now Gunther's basically like, yeah, I want Nico. He's going to be the guy. He's going to be the guy that carries this team to success. And, you know, that's just I feel like that's just Gunther being Gunther. I don't know. Maybe he does. But Nico is, I guess, maybe a better driver than Kevin Magnuson historically. But now, aha, this is what people could say. But Kevin Magnuson has a podium. Uh, <laughs> but no, um, I don't know. Just one of those weird things that Gunther always comes up with. But yeah, so that's my roundup of F1 news for this week and some of my thoughts on my off-season bits. I hope you guys enjoyed. I will come back to you with more off-season bits. And my plan is to finally get our previews in. I'm shooting for Thursday. I'm going to try to upload it by Thursday. My preview or my, my preview, my breakdown of Williams, because they were in last this year, Williams 2022 season and what we can expect from them in 2023. So 
Thank you guys for listening to this off-season bits. I'll be talking to you guys next week with some more off-season bits because I'm sure there will be chaos again in the week that is F1. Who knows? Maybe like Charles Leclerc and Pierre Gasly and Esteban Ocon will make random drunken Instagram videos that we can all talk about on Twitter. But yeah, no. Um, thank you for listening, guys. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at an American F1. And, uh, you know, I'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you for listening.